Hi there and welcome to episode 157 of the Writing Guy podcast. I'm Scott Keyes of the Writing Guy, helping smart professionals to find their voice, write human and change the world with their words. Um, this morning, um, my wife and I went to, we visited the London Wetlands Centre in Barnes, which was uh, really beautiful. I actually really didn't feel like going because the weather was a bit iffy and I felt a bit kind of knackered and I'd, I wanted to curl up and go back to bed. But um, as is her wont, she kind of forced me to, to do it and, uh, and I'm glad she did. And we saw some beautiful... Um, all sorts of Egyptian geese and uh, ducks and otters and beautiful reed beds and egrets and swallows and starlings and uh, be, you know because the weather was a bit iffy we were pretty much alone which was which was really nice and um, one of the one of the things that really struck me was that there was um, around one of the ponds because obviously it's a wetland centre uh, there was something about living with the, uh, you know, peoples, indigenous peoples around the world that live with the wetlands, in wetlands. And there's one particular example of a tribe uh, called the, and forgive my pronunciation, I'm just looking now, the Bininj Mungi people who live in Kakadu, in the vast wetlands of Kakadu in northern Australia. And they've lived there for at least 40,000 years. And it says their language and culture reflect this long and deep relationship with their wetland home. Um, the Beninj Oblique Mungi people divide their way of life into six phases over the year based on the state of the Kakadu wetlands and wildlife. Uh, and there's, there's a diagram of the six phases. And just to give you a sort of a, a feel for uh, what they are, there's one called Yegi, which is the cool, humid season uh, when the uh, the shallow wetlands and the billabongs are carpeted in lilies. Uh, the net, that sort of May, June, about now. And then the next, I forgive my pronunciation, but Wurgeng, Wurgeng, which is where the creeks stop flowing and the wetlands dry out. This is cold weather and low humidity. And the next one is Gurung, which is hot and dry. This is goose time. They hunt for magpie geese and long-necked turtles. And so it goes on. And it just reminded me again that, you know, the importance of rhythm, that these six phases of the, these people in Kakadu, uh, they, they live a very rhythmic life. Um, you know, obviously not, not related to the, to the seasons, the climatic seasons. Um, but very much sort of within their particular locale. And it's just kind of got me thinking again about the power of rhythm, uh, that we are, are all, whether we like it or not, we're governed, I believe, by, by rhythm. Whether it's the, the phases of the moon and the moon's impact on the tides, and we are predominantly water, so therefore the moon is going to, it cannot but have an effect on us. Um, and obviously the seasons and our daily routines all the way through to uh, the you know, one, two, one, two, one, two of walking and probably the most 
a basic rhythm in our body. I mean, obviously, there are lots of rhythms like circadian rhythms that govern our sleep, but, but I'm thinking of the heartbeat as well and the pulse. Um, and so, you know, once again, I'm kind of, I'm reminded, if you like, of uh, the power of rhythm and the power of rhythm in writing because essentially obviously that's uh, that's my focus and um you know what what is it about whatever we're writing and no matter how prosaic we think it may be uh, we can establish a rhythm in our writing and i believe that the more rhythmic our writing the better it sounds on the reader's ear uh, then the easier it's going to slip into their brain and their heart and change their behavior, which is what we're trying to do. And I just want to read to you uh, one of the most kind of rhythmic poems I know. I'm actually not going to read the whole thing because it's very long, but I'll just read the, the first few verses. A very famous 18th century poem written by Thomas Gray called Elegy, written in a country churchyard. Um, an elegy basically being a, a mournful poem or song especially a lament for the dead and it comes from the Greek word elegos meaning lament and the you know the mood that Thomas Gray establishes in this poem as he talks about the, the people buried in the churchyard is uh, melancholic and sad um, but nonetheless that doesn't mean it has to be arrhythmic. And as you'll hear, he uses very classic, irregular and predictable iambic pentameter. Uh, so if you followed any of my earlier podcasts, you'll, you'll remember that goes, the iam is unstressed followed by stress. So it goes, and, and pentameter just means it, it, five feet in a line. So there are five of those stresses in any line. So it goes, titum, 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 titum. So that's the, that's the pattern of stresses in the line. What I want you to do, I don't want you to listen so much as I read these verses out to you. I don't want you to listen so much to the content. I want you to feel and hear the rhythm because neuroscience is beginning to show. I mean, I think has definitively shown actually through things like MRI and PET, PET brain scans, PET, uh, positron emission tomography. Well, that's uh, <laughs> try saying that after a couple of glasses of wine. Um, the brain neuroscience has shown that, that when we read, particularly read out loud, as poetry is meant to be, when we read a piece of writing that's rhythmic, that entrains the, our brain waves to, 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 to almost become that rhythm. That the brain waves, the, air, the electrical circuits in our brain start operating on that frequency, which is just a phenomenal concept. So anyway, uh, here we go. I'm just gonna read uh, three or four of the opening, the opening verses. This is elegy written in a country churchyard, and I really hope I do it justice. The curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowing herd winds slowly o'er the lea. 
the ploughman homeward plods his weary way and leaves the world to darkness and to me. Now fades the glimmering landscape on the sight and all the air a solemn stillness holds save where the beetle wheels his droning flight and drowsy tinklings lull the distant folds save that from yonder ivy-mantled tower the moping owl does to the moon complain of such as wandering near her secret bower molest her ancient solitary reign beneath those rugged elms that yew trees shade where heaves the turf in many a mouldering heap, each in his narrow cell forever laid, the rude forefathers of the hamlet sleep. The breezy call of incense-breathing morn, the swallow twittering from the straw-built shed, the cock's shrill clarion or the echoing horn, no more shall rouse them from their lowly bed. For them no more the blazing hearth shall burn, or busy housewife ply her evening care. No children run to lisp their sire's return, or climb his envied sorry, or climb his knees, the envied kiss to share. Oft did the harvest to their sickle yield, their furrow oft the stubborn glebe has broke. How jocund did they drive their team afield, how bowed the woods beneath their sturdy stroke. And so it goes on. It's, um, it's a long poem, but I think the... It, it almost, I don't know about you, but it lulls me into um, a, a kind of a harmony and a euphony uh, which is really pleasing and I suppose that's the bottom line about rhythm whether we're a football team you know getting into the rhythm getting into our stride we're in the flow we're in the zone um, whether we're doing something physical or intellectual or mental or whatever or manual uh, you know, whether we're ploughing the ancient, the stubborn glebe, which is an old-fashioned word for soil, you know, as he's just been mentioning in the poem, that gives us joy, that gives us pleasure. And conversely, when we're arrhythmic, excuse me, when we are discordant and we lack harmony and we're inharmonious with, with uh, our fellow man or our environment, then that causes pain. So for me, rhythm equals joy and pain. So I'm going to leave it there for now. If you're interested in, um, if you're serious about improving your writing skills, get in touch. And we'll just have a, a nice, relaxed, no obligation chat. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you tomorrow for episode uh, 158. Thanks a lot. Bye now.